The materials on this podcast are for informational and entertainment purposes only and are not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional. Welcome to the Love Approach Project podcast. This is your host, Laura Gutierrez. And I want to welcome you to our second season together. During this season, you will get to listen to the interviews from my recent summit, Love in Times of Uncertainty, in which we focused on bringing you empowering resources, wisdom and tips that you can start using in your day-to-day -day life, and especially when you're going through challenging times. It is my intention that the 12 interviews from this second season support you and empower you in living the life that you deserve. Enjoy! Welcome everyone to Love in Times of Uncertainty Virtual Summit. This is your host, Laura Gutierrez. And I thank you for joining us for this very interesting interview because we are going to be talking about sleep and stress. And for this topic, I have a very interesting guest as well. Her name is Charlotte. I, I actually don't know how to pronounce your surname. <laughs> the Corsi Bailey. The Corsi Bailey, <laughs> thank you. And Charlotte is the owner and dentist of San Leonard's Holistic Dental Care. She's been with the practice since 1986. And they are a small practice dedicated to personalized healthcare. Charlotte is also a member of the Australian Sleep Association, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, and one of the few dentists in Sydney who is accredited by the SASA sorry, to fit snoring and sleep apnea splints. So, wow, welcome, Charlotte. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Fantastic. It's so lovely to, to interview someone that is in, in a field that is slightly different. I've been interviewing um, people who are in the coaching field, in the, in the healing field as well, but you are a little bit more into the medical side of things. So that's yeah. it's very interesting. Yes. Thank you. So Charlotte, not many people might know about you here. So it would be nice if we if we start learning a little bit about you and, and your love about holistic care being a dentist. Sure. Um, so I started in dentistry in 1986. I was actually a dental assistant and the person that I was lucky enough to be trained by, Andrew, owned the practice um, and uh, encouraged me, I guess, to actually go down the field of dentistry. So I went from being a dental assistant to being a dental student and then joining his practice. And then when Andrew wanted to move out of Sydney, then I purchased the practice from him. Um, he was one of the first dentists in Sydney who didn't use amalgam. Uh, he, I sat in on some of the early interviews with people who came to us who were desperate to have their amalgam fillings removed. And I remember still to that day, there were people in 1986 who were sitting in our chair just, just crying, weeping, knowing that they had this toxic material in their mouth and they couldn't do anything about it. You can't go around and remove your own fillings but they'd been to naturopaths, nutritionists, they understood that they had really high mercury levels, um, but nobody was willing to, to help them. And Andrew always, well, he still does think outside the box. So he was the person who said, look, 
let's, let's figure out how to do this. So I was really lucky. I was there at the beginning of that journey and it just inspired me when I saw some of the changes that happened for those people and how they felt they started to get control again of their health. Um, I, I just thought this was a wonderful way to go. So it inspired me to become a dentist because I could see that there was a, a role there that was important in health and was being overlooked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's where that came from. He was the one who said, sign the paperwork, go, go to Sydney Uni and get it done. So <laughs> I did. Yeah. Fantastic, Charlotte, fantastic. And you do offer a fantastic service, you know, in which you, you do pay attention to every single aspect of, of, the, of yeah. a person's health. Yeah, I think um, the mouth is, is central to so much. Um, I mean, it's important from the point of view of communication um, and that is often what a dentist comes up with, you know, the, the challenge of dealing with such a highly charged and emotive part of the, the body. But at the same time, there's so much that as a dentist, we see what's going on in the mouth, what's going wrong. Um, we can see um, where, you know, dental decay, caries, cavities, it's, it's not normal. It, it's not health. It's not a balanced body. So when you start seeing those kind of um, situations and heavily filled teeth, gum disease is another example, that's a body out of balance. So there is so much that a dentist sees and we, we handle it on a daily basis, but I think sometimes my colleagues don't necessarily think, okay, what's going on in the body that's promoting this disease state and what can be done about it? So we try and think outside the box, yeah. Fantastic, love it. I love everything that is holistic. So I'm so excited that we met and that we're having this conversation. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful. So let's move now into a little bit of the sleep topic of today. So I know that you have a master's degree in sleep medicine, and I'm just curious as to why a dentist would go down that path. You know? Yeah. Um, part of the evolution of the practice was we started to treat pain patients. I got very interested in helping people with chronic pain, particularly jaw pain, neck, um, headaches. Um, and some of those people seek medical attention, but sometimes they come to dentists thinking it's you know, a problem with the jaw. So after a while um, of treating in the, the pain field, I started realizing that there were a significant proportion of people that I really just wasn't making an impact with. And I started to understand that the role of sleep in pain. So when people have poor quality sleep, they have much, much higher pain levels. And it's much, much more difficult to heal the body, um, to get hormones back into balance, to get the pain system just calm down. So you start, you do as many weekend courses as you can. And, and after there's a point at which you go, you know, I really need the science behind this. I need the information, I need the research. And Sydney University offers a wonderful um, degree. And I was lucky enough to study with Colin Sullivan, who's the person who invented the CPAP machine. And he's an absolutely brilliant man who really thinks big picture. Um, and it was fantastic to spend three years studying that um, master's degree. It was, done, it was done part time, so it's done in and around business. So it's done on weekends and at nights. It was always a joke that it was a medicine. It was a sleep medicine degree, but it was also a, a trial on how do you not sleep so you can get the sleep medicine degree done. But um, yeah, fascinating, really great subject. Yeah, wow. And like nowadays, many people are suffering from lack of sleep, not only because they are stressed out or overworked, but obviously due to the current situation, you know, there's a lot of worry, anxiety, and 
I, I, I guess that you've seen lots of patients with those kind of things going on. Yeah, insomnia, um, which is what we're really talking about here, um, can be either sleep onset insomnia, so people struggle to fall asleep, yeah. or it can be sleep maintenance insomnia where they're waking in the middle of the night. Um, and in periods of stress with mental anguish and anxiety, um, the brain kicks in. We all know that we can lie in bed going, start cycling through. And the crazy thing is that during sleep, our frontal lobes, the bit that does the cognitive thinking, yeah. it, it, it's offline. It's, it really isn't doing anything that's useful. And yet we wake in the middle of the night and just cycle through and through and through on the same problem. And that's because we don't have the cognitive capacity to actually process that problem. Um, so in fact, it's the worst thing we could be doing. We won't find the solution, but it's what we're processing. So there are um, many tips and tricks that I, I tend to say to people that can help them just to offload some of that mental activity. Um, and then the other side of things is if people have a sleep disturbed breathing problem, so like snoring or sleep apnea that is untreated, um, that tends to cause people to wake during the night. And then if there's mental anguish, then the mental processes start happening again in the middle of the night. So you get that combination of both things. Wow. Also, one of the problems is as our sleep quality drops off and our sleep duration drops off, um, stress levels build. We are not as well equipped to cope with the stress that we are then put under. Um, depression uh, is very much linked to sleep um, quality and to sleep, short sleep. Um, and so depression levels start to increase as well. Uh, and the whole thing just kind of can spiral down. Yeah, it's it's very interesting how sleep is so important for our overall health, and and then and in a way it's kind of like overlooked still, you know. <laughs> very much taken for granted. It, it's people don't think about it until they don't have good sleep. It's um, and I think the the studies show that at least fifty percent of people have at some point had periods of poor sleep. It might be transient, it might last a few weeks, like the current environment, you might go, okay, there's a change in my work situation or there's a change in my home situation and you get it sorted and you go back to normal sleep. But 30% of the population has chronic um, sleep disorders, uh, chronic insomnia. Um, and that's a large number of people. Yeah. Very and lovely. we overlook that modern living where we start thinking, okay, the pressures of work. I know one of the interesting things at the moment is a lot of people working from home yeah. now seem to be available online for their company at any time. I'm, I'm getting emails from my banker at 10 o'clock at night thinking, what is going on here? Because um, they, they haven't got the bandwidth for everybody to work at the same time, so she needs to do the evening shift. Well, nobody should be sitting in front of a computer at 10 o'clock at night using their brain to do work. Yeah. We are supposed to be winding down. The blue light in the screen is a problem and resets the brain to think that it's daytime. And even if they stop work at 10, 10 30, 11, one o'clock in the morning, we're still in a kind of awake mode. And that's not good. Wow, yes, yes. And and yeah, as you said, I think we don't we only start paying attention to it when we start having issues. And and this is where many people are right now. You know, this is I I've heard from not only clients of mine, but friends and stuff like sleep has been disrupted. 
especially during this time. So what are the benefits then, um, Charlotte, of resolving the situation, of paying attention to this? Um, so things that, that people don't necessarily think of, why, I mean, we still have that big question, why do we sleep? What is sleep? Why do we need it? What we do know is that people die if they don't sleep. It, it's, it's serious. It, um, it's either a slow decline into poor health or in an acute situation, there have been documented cases where people just didn't sleep for three days, four days in a row and literally dropped dead. Um, so sleep is needed for the body to reset itself. It's needed um, at times like this, one of the things everybody's concerned about it, is my immune system strong enough? Am I going to contract this virus? Well, your immune system resets itself during deep sleep. So if your sleep quality is poor and you're flicking in and out of shallow sleep, not getting into deep sleep, um, then your immune system is compromised for sure. Um, and that's probably the most important part of what's going on. But as I mentioned earlier, depression, which then is a feedback loop that causes sleep to become more disrupted. Yes, so it's completely necessary for our general health. And so, Help and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we had talked before, maybe when I, when I met you around, you were explaining to me the importance of sleep, of deep sleep for like hormonal balance, for repairing and all of that. Can you go a little bit more into, into those benefits of good sleep? Um, so there are various stages of sleep. We start with shallow and we go down into deep sleep. So what we call N1, N2, N3, and then go into um, dreaming sleep. The deep sleep N3 and the dreaming sleep are where restorative um, phases take place. So the brain will clear out junk. This is where you lay down memory. So if people are having poor memory, which of course impacts on work capacity to focus the next day, um, memories are laid down during deep sleep. Um, growth hormone, which is perhaps the most important hormone in terms of repair and regeneration. This is why you, you, know, you get your beauty sleep. You are releasing growth hormone, which helps cells regenerate. And that is entirely released in deep sleep. But also um, our blood sugar stabilizes itself and rebalances itself. Our metabolism kicks in. Um, it's nearly impossible to lose weight if you don't have good sleep um, because that's when your metabolic processes kick up and you actually burn some of these products that you want to get rid of. Um, and in terms of hormones, um, not only estrogen, progesterone balancing themselves, but the blood sugar as well, very important together with the growth hormones. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, and I forgot, sorry. Um, yeah, blood pressure in terms of deep sleep. Your blood vessels actually relax when you get into deep sleep. So if you're staying all night in shallow sleep or waking with sleep insomnia um, and sleep maintenance problems, then you stay in shallow sleep and your blood pressure, the vessels don't relax and blood pressure stays high, which isn't good. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. I think that's an eye-opener for many of us. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And so, um, Charlotte, what would be some of those tips that you share with your clients, your patients, that can help us, that like it could help us to, you know, here at home, wherever, wherever we are, to start improving our quality of sleep? So if, if you know that you're having problems getting to sleep because your mental processes are still running. You can do a thing called the brain dump, which is a really useful process. Um, and it's really, it's highly technical. You need a piece of paper and a pen. And that's <laughs> it. Um, 
the most important thing is that people don't pull out their device and start documenting things on their device because of course I think everybody these days knows about the screens and the blue light um, but that does reset your circadian rhythm it, it talks to your eyes and will reset the brain and trick you to think that it's daylight still um, so we want a piece of paper and a pen and a bullet point and another bullet point and another bullet point and whatever it is you're thinking about you just empty it out onto the piece of paper put another bullet point and another thought will come another bullet point another thought will come and it may take you 20 minutes um, and at the end of that process I mean my patients laugh at me a little bit but you can take that piece of paper and you can tell your brain that you have captured what you were worried about and it will be there for tomorrow. Now put it to one side and we're going to have a good night's sleep. Because it's, it's that reassurance that, yep, the things aren't going to go away, but there's going to be a time for me to address this when I'm actually equipped, when this part of my brain that I need is actually switched on and ready to do the problem solving that's required. And the middle of the night is not that time. So, yeah. You just don't get anywhere. Um, if you do wake in the middle of the night, piece of paper and a pen, preferably don't turn the light on. We know now that if you turn the light on, you start resetting the brain again to think that we're in daylight. We used to think we could get away with it for a short amount, but the recent studies are showing that it really does reset um, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is how you take in light through the eye, and that light talks to the brain and tells you what time of day it is. Um, so we really do want to stumble around in the dark as long as it's safe, um, but preferably a piece of paper and a pen and write down what it is that you were thinking about. Once again, reassure your brain it's there for tomorrow and I'm gonna go back to sleep now and have a good restorative night's sleep. Um, that's, that's probably the most obvious one for people having problems falling asleep, but there's a whole area of sleep hygiene. Um, you mentioned the Australian Sleep Association. There's a lot of good things on their site. Um, in the general public site, you can have a look at that. Um, but sleep hygiene is things like um, uh, setting a time to go to sleep, knowing that particularly when people are working from home, as I said, if they're available, if that work device is there at home all the time, it's really hard to compartmentalize that and say, okay, I'm done, my working day is done. Oh, I'll just go back and do another, email. I'll just check that, in. I wonder if they've replied to that email. Um, <laughs> So we need to make sure that we put that off to one side and shut the blasted computer and gone, right, that's it, we're done for the day. Um, but starting that process of winding down from about 9 p.m., ideally trying to be in bed, getting to bed, 10 o'clock to fall asleep, 10.30 for most people. Sleep onset happens as our melatonin levels rise and our cortisol levels drop. And there's a sweet spot where those two cross at around, for most people, 10, 10, 30, 11 at the latest. After that, your melatonin is, can, is starting to drop and your cortisol is already starting to rise. So you're actually starting, to, that's that second wind that people get. So if, um, if that's starting to happen, the problem is that you're going to have more difficulty falling asleep. So we want to try and time sleep onset. So that means for some people, um, almost setting a timer on their phone. If, if you're really out of whack, 9 o'clock, 9.30, okay, time to start planning. I need to go to bed. Uh, if you've got bright lights on, yeah, start turning down the bright lights. You might choose to um, 
have some uh, lavender oil in a diffuser, something like that, but you need to keep small amounts. Lavender is actually excitatory if you have a lot of it. So more is not better. Um, so we need, to, we need to have just a little bit. Um, people like, oh, put it on my pillow. Yeah, not sure about that. Um, those kind of things and foods that, there are some foods that will take you down into sleep more easily. Um, but you don't want to be eating your evening meal too late either because it's hard to fall asleep with a full stomach yeah. um, or it can wake you later. Equally, it's hard to fall asleep if you are hungry. Um, and we know that people who are malnourished have extremely poor sleep patterns. So we need to have had that, you know, ideally that six o'clock evening meal, which if we're in lockdown or at home is, is getting easier to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And alcohol, of course, might seem like a great idea because it will bring on sleep. But the problem is once the alcohol is metabolized, it actually um, will, will wake you. So from about 2 a.m., if people are drinking at 8 or 9 at night, 7, 8 and 9 at night, it will be metabolized around 2 a.m. and you will wake. And after that, unfortunately, it's a great sleep disruptor. Um, and we know that. So in the holistic world, we talk about 3 a.m. being liver time, liver processing. Um, so a lot of people who drink a bit of alcohol will find that they're awake at 3, then the brain ticks in, and then it's like, ah, I'm not really getting back to sleep, and then it's 6 o'clock and it's time to get up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I love everything you shared there, um, Charlotte. I find it, actually, I personally find it very useful to do something similar to what you called as a brain dump. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's something that I also share with my clients. And it's like, let release, you know, do that release that uh, <laughs> of stuff on pen and paper and allow that to, to be out of your system in a way. Right? Definitely, definitely. Very, very powerful. Very simple, very powerful. Doesn't take any effort at all. Yeah. Yes. I also uh, remember we chatted when we met around um, breathing with our mouth open. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so there are lots of things that impact. And the reason that a dentist gets into sleep, as I said, we, we spoke about dentistry in the holistic world, seeing decay and gum disease. But we also see the evidence of um, snoring or sleep apnea and mouth breathing. Um, your saliva is your natural mouthwash. Um, it keeps the bacteria down. It remineralizes the teeth. So it prevents decay. It slows decay. And it strengthens the teeth. And if somebody's breathing through their mouth all night, the saliva is evaporated really quickly. Um, and then the bacteria in the mouth go wild. So we tend to see more gum disease and more decay. And this is an indicator sometimes for me to say to somebody, you know, do you wake with your mouth being dry? Some people sitting in the chair will just be breathing through their mouth because it's a chronic daytime and nighttime problem. But for some people, they can breathe through their nose during the day. But when it comes to nighttime, sometimes to do with the internal structure of the nose, sometimes to do with the internal structure of the palate or the soft palate, the floppy back, floppy bit right at the back, can feel like it's closing off the airway and therefore they'll prop their mouth open and start breathing through the mouth at night. Um, sleep quality is dramatically reduced when we breathe through the mouth. Um, we stay in far more shallow sleep. Um, People, if they grind, um, grinding is far more common if you stay in shallow sleep as well. So if you're waking with kind of tightness in the jaw and, you know, pain in the joint, or maybe you get a headache on waking, 
um, these muscles here are your clenching muscles. You know, if you're getting those kind of head pain or facial pain, that's an indicator of um, grinding overnight. And usually that happens as we flick between sleep stages. We don't grind down in deep sleep. We grind as we transition between stage one, stage two, stage two, stage one, stage two, stage three. So if we're not getting good, what we call consolidated sleep, where we go through shallow down to deep sleep, if it's getting disrupted, um, by mouth breathing, then there's often a lot more grinding going on. Yeah. Wow. And is there anything that um, people can do at home to improve that, to change that? Yeah. Like we need to figure out why it's happening. Like everything, I'm a firm believer in understanding the reason. So we're addressing root cause of things, pardon the dental pun. Um, but we need to investigate whether there is a history of sinus infection or sinus problems. Um, if we're looking at a child in particular, adenoids, which are the tonsils inside the nose, can be enlarged if they, if they are reacting, if there are allergies or allergic reaction to food and, and airborne things. Um, so if we suspect it's something in the environment that we're reacting to, you wake in the morning, you're sneezing a lot, um, or you're in your home, you're sneezing a lot, it can be useful to do a nasal spray. Um, something as simple as a saline spray at nighttime, just up the nostrils to clear the nostrils, that can help. Sometimes we need to take that to the next level and the, there can be a role for using some of the over-the-counter steroidal sprays to reduce inflammation in the nose. Um, any of that kind of stuff needs to be done. You know, you need to see your GP. Somebody needs to look up the nose. Please don't go self-prescribing and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, if people have a, a very narrow palate, um, if there's a lot of dental crowding, often the palate is quite highly vaulted and that means that inside the nose is quite restricted the, the palate is, after all, the base of the nose, if we think about the structure here. So if somebody's quite narrow in the face with a lot of crowding, the nose is also crowded, in inverted commas. So sometimes um, a surgery might be required from an ear, nose and throat specialist, somebody who can straighten the septum, which is the bone down the middle, or reduce the turbinates, which are the spirals of bone inside the nose. Um, if somebody can breathe comfortably through their nose, there's a role for retraining breathing at nighttime. If you feel like there's no structural reason why your nose doesn't work, there's no infection, um, there's no allergies, it's just a habit that's developed, then you can teach yourself to breathe through your nose. And there's a lot of stuff around. Buteco is a technique um, that's been around for a very long time now. It was originally devised to help people with asthma learn to breathe through their nose again. Um, because you will reduce the severity of your asthma quite a lot if you can breathe through your nose because this is a filtration system. So if we don't use it, everything goes into the lungs. Yeah. Um, so there is a, a school of thought that says you can take the lips at night um, and retrain yourself to breathe through your nose. If you're going to do that, I would encourage you to do that with the assistance of a Buteco practitioner. Um, there are quite a few people now who are retrained in the area of retraining, breathing retraining. There are a lot of good practitioners. If you're not sure, be in touch with me. I, I have people that I refer patients to all the time. Um, so that's a definite option. Yeah. But please don't do that if you're snoring. Uh, if your partner says they've heard you stop breathing, that's a whole different system and that needs to be properly medically assessed. Yeah. yeah. So this takes me to perhaps the last question of our interview <laughs> and it's snoring 
what yeah. is the snoring? Is it a really like is it a medical issue? Because snoring disrupts sleep not only for the person who is snoring but for whoever is sleeping <laughs> beside yeah, the line next to the snorer, and you wake up, and then your brain gets going because of the current times, and your sleep's destroyed. Exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah. Sometimes it doesn't seem to be a problem to the snorer; it's to the snoree. Uh, <laughs> And sometimes the person through the wall, depending on how heavy that snoring is. Um, snoring was always just considered a, maybe an embarrassing situation, maybe a family problem, a bit of a joke. Dad really snores. Oh my God, he sounds like a train. Um, we now know that snoring and sleep apnea and various of the sleep disturbed breathing disorders, as we call them, it's a continuum. So snoring is at one end, um, obstructive sleep apnea, severe obstructive sleep apnea is at the other. And we do over time, there is a lot of evidence and research now that shows that we start with snoring, but over time, as the airway gets damaged from the vibration of the tissue, because that's what snoring is, it's the muscle vibrating in the throat. As, those muscle, as that vibration happens, those muscles are damaged. And as they're damaged, they're less and less capable of holding a structure, a rigid structure when you're asleep. So when you go to sleep, particularly in deep sleep, everything is effectively paralyzed. Um, that's normal, otherwise you would act out your dreams. You would start punching and kicking and running around the room. Um, the only things that stay working are your eyes, which is why we know we have rapid eye movement when we're dreaming, and your diaphragm, which is the thing that helps you breathe. Everything else is effectively out of action. So the airway here, relies entirely on the tone of the muscles to maintain a good airway when we sleep. So if snoring damages these muscles over time, then the, the muscles become far more likely to collapse. If we breathe through our mouth, we're taking in too much air, we extend the airway, and we let out too much air and we close the airway. So enough of this over time and eventually the airway closes off as we breathe, and that's an apnea. And that's the kind of sound where we get the <laughs> and then yeah. the breath. Yeah. That will disrupt sleep initially, um, not much, but perhaps as the severity increases, then we stop getting that deep sleep. Yeah. And every time it's an apneic event, blood pressure shoots up. So this is, puts a massive load on the heart. So these are sometimes people where it's unaddressed, where later in life, We've got severe heart problems, people who die in their sleep of a heart attack. And somebody says, well, you know, they went peacefully in their sleep. And it's like, well, actually, no, they were coughing, choking, and they had a heart attack. That's not peaceful. Oh. So snoring can become a severe problem. Yeah. Um, and it has implications for sleep quality, blood pressure, and cardiac health, to name just the most obvious ones. Yeah. And so... This is something that you can help people with. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. A dentist, part of the reason I did my master's in sleep medicine because I was starting to identify people who had sleep apnea problems. So a dentist can't diagnose. We screen. And if we see something we're concerned about, I can make a referral to my sleep physician. And a sleep physician is a specialist who will assess what I think is going on and make a recommendation, often for a sleep study but they don't think a sleep study is needed, they will advise. And there are dental devices dentists can make to um, help reduce sleep apnea and improve, reduce snoring, reduce sleep apnea, improve sleep breathing. Um, yeah, so that's one area of treating um, obstructive sleep apnea and snoring. Mm, great, great. 
Yeah, because I, I'm, I'm just thinking in regards to how can we find, how can we make our life better in many different ways, right? And, and if something that, let's say, snoring has always been there, either for your partner, for you, for a loved one, then it's, it's nice to have this information so that they can be supported or you can be supported. And um, yeah, definitely. And I love how you have basically integrated all of this into your practice and you also have many people that you can refer to which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, my approach to holistic care is that it is a team approach. It requires all these other people. And I see myself as someone sitting in the middle who will make the recommendations for who can help you with that, who can you see, how are they going to help you? Um, yeah, and that's, that's critical. No, no one practitioner can do everything on their own. I'm sorry, I, I would strongly disagree with that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> yes. So, Charlotte, do you have any final words on stress, sleep, that people, that our audience can learn from before you go? I think um, one of the most amazing things over the last couple of months is how much information has come out on the internet. There's an awful lot of really good quality information there. Um, there is some pretty dodgy information as well. So, by all means, have a read around. Um, search sleep hygiene. I think that's something that is something very easy to implement for people at home. Seriously consider doing that brain dump and really look at how do I entrain, um, that's our phrase for getting under control, how do I entrain my work at home and how do I make sure that that very, very important part of my life, admittedly a third of my life, but we really need that eight hours sleep and Western living has taken it down to seven, six and a half, six, you know, now the virus has had an impact and that's now getting disrupted. Um, and the long-term health implications of that are huge. Mm -hmm. So please think about, I need my eight hours sleep. What can I do to protect, enhance and optimize my sleep so that I can be the healthiest and best person I can be? Beautiful. And I'm happy to help if you need me. Fantastic, Charlotte. So, so nice to have had this chat with you. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your passion. You can tell, we can tell that you love your job. <laughs> you love your work. Thank yeah. you very much for the invitation. It's been absolutely wonderful meeting you and discussing all of this. Yes, fantastic. And so, um, Charlotte, before you go, could you please uh, share with us the name of your website if people want to search you up? Yeah. Uh, www.holisticdentist.com.au if you don't put the au you'll get somebody in pittsburgh i think so <laughs> holistic dentist with an h um and if you there's a lot of information on there we we rework the red website at least every couple of years to try and tidy it up so most of what i do is on there and if you want more information there's a link to be able to send an email through to us at our front desk Fantastic. Lovely. Well, thank you again, Charlotte. And I want to thank all the audience and the people who joined us for this interview. I hope, we hope you learned a lot and that you can put into practice some of the things that you learned today. So thank you everyone. And until next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed and learned immensely from today's speaker. If you would like, you can also download the speaker's giveaway from the description of this episode. You just need to click on the link provided there. 
also if you're enjoying the content of this podcast i would love to invite you to leave us a review on any of the platforms that you are listening from you can also reach me at laura l-a-u-r-a at theloveapproachproject.com and send me an email with any of your comments i would love to hear from you and so this is it i will catch you next week thanks for joining us here once again bye bye